Happy birthday, America. It is July 4th, 2021, and you are listening to The Least Woke Man in America. And the beauty of being the least woke man in America, I, I live with a sense of liberation that most of you could not understand. Because what I get to do right now is I get to talk about how great America is, how America was founded, and where America could go, both for good and bad. I can do this without sucking the life out of you, without depressing you, by giving you a list of America and its founders' sins and everything it's done wrong, even though his America, like any other country, been perfect? No. Were its founders, like any other human beings, perfect? No. But this is the time or place for that. And what I was thinking about when I was getting ready for this is there is a group out there, and we all know who they are, who would be so irritated, and if they heard this, would be so irritated that I don't sprinkle all of this with the never-ending caveats and asterisks about, well, did you know this and did you know that? You know, the type of the barbecue that can't wait to get in your face and let you know the real truth about George Washington or the real truth about Thomas Jefferson or uh, it just never ends. You know, you know what I'm talking about. So I, I'm, I'm not woke. I am not woke. I'm a fool. I can live in this country and appreciate it. I can talk about something which is hopefully LeBron James and China will allow me to talk about this without killing this podcast. I can talk about American exceptionalism, which I'll go into. But before I even do that, American exceptionalism, uh, for someone who is stuck in a car right now, listening, stuck in a car right now, listening to this with a far right-wing nut like myself, and you're a leftist, and you hear American exceptionalism, and you're ready to throw, drive the steering wheel and pull the car to the side of the road and get the hell out of that car because you just can't take it anymore. Calm down. We're breathing. We're all breathing. American exceptionalism does not mean that we can't wait to grab our million-man military and march on Europe or attack China or get out in outer space before everybody else so we can shoot lasers down and take over the world. It does not mean that just white men, we should just white men should be allowed to vote and we need to get back to our roots. Calm down. Calm down. We're going to take a break. Regardless of what Whoopi and Joy Behar have told you, it's much more, it's much different than that. It's much more positive to that. It's much more honest than that. And we're going to get to that. And everything's going to be fine. But back to the birthday of America. If we can, God forbid, think about this in an objective, open-minded manner throughout the context of history, um, to start a, a country that started mainly with farmers. Uh, if you go in history, even before the 1700s, in the 1600s, America, or North America, uh, was a, mainly settled by Europeans who wanted a fur trade and very uh, different sects of Christianity, which were not allowed in England. Um, the, the England went back and forth 
between Catholic and Protestant, depending on who the kings were. Uh, so that made some people leave because of that. But there was also various sects that some were out so outlandish, they're more like cults, that got on ships, believe it or not, which is just mind-blowing to me to just get on a ship back in those days. The, the journey went for weeks. You really didn't know where you were going, where you were landing. It's just, I, I just that's not my personality. But anyway, so... And a lot of them didn't make it, to be honest with you. Between Indians and the cold and all types of problems, uh, they, they kind of got wiped out. And the Europeans, that's what they thought of at first back in the 1600s as um, you know, just a weird place with not many resources, with a bunch of religious kooks. And that's how the country started to kind of uh, incubate, if you will. And then, of course, the population continued to increase as people came here from all types of different reasons. We always think of the pilgrims and the Puritans, and they were a big part of it, but there was obviously other groups as well. Jamestown was settled before Plymouth Rock. You don't hear much about Jamestown. But so, so you have the founding fathers finally decide to stand up to England, which with King George's personality, which was crazy because he wanted nothing to do with any of that. He was a really uptight type of guy. But anyway, so the founding fathers knew if they lost the war, they are going to be hung without a question. They couldn't wait to hang George Washington and especially Benjamin Franklin back in England because they had connections to England itself. They weren't just peasants. They had they weren't nobles, but they owned property and they were respected among the English. The king knew them. And all of a sudden now they're starting a revolution against England. The uh, English parliament and especially the king were just irate. So they lived with a constant sense. If they lost this war, they were going to be hung, which I find so amazing because how many of their critics to this day from academic institutions to left-wing television networks, how many of them live with a constant sense of being hung for their criticism of them or for the country they created. That I really want you to think about that. How many uh, professors are sitting there in their little office just thinking they're saving the world and these poor kids from capitalism and America and the patriarchy? How many of them live afraid of being hung? I mean, it's no... Uh, it's no, it's documented history. When George Washington was in Manhattan, uh, he had some a good win in Boston. The, the the Patriots did great in the Yankees, as they're called, in Boston. General Howe, the British general, took off. It was incredibly embarrassing for the British to have to evacuate Boston. But Washington and the other Americans knew uh, that it was far from over. And if anything, it was a good win for them, but they still knew they were in trouble. They're taking a bunch of farmers and undisciplined men. I guess one of the strongest militaries in, in the world. And next thing you know, Washington is almost trapped in Manhattan. He barely got out. There um, was a very dire circumstances in 1776. This country, this country came down, was founded really by less than a thousand men. When Washington was in Valley Forge uh, during the brutal, brutal winter that year in the Northeast, in Jersey and Pennsylvania, uh, his his forces were down to a less than a thousand men. Some froze to death. Uh, toes were constantly being just completely front. The men's toes frozen 
because of lack of shoes. They were out in the middle of a northeastern winter without any boots or shoes. It's inco- Growing up in upstate New York, this is also incomprehensible. Maybe somebody in Phoenix, Arizona can't understand this, but when you grow up in upstate New York, the idea of being in a northeastern winter without any shoes or boots or blankets is just mind-blowing to me. And then many men had abandoned. That's the truth. They, had, they couldn't take it anymore. Between the circumstances, they were getting letters from home about their the family was broke on the verge of losing the farm. There was no food. Their wife would had taken off with another guy because women didn't work back then. They were desperate. And so it was horrific. So Washington is down to less than 1,000 men. And the, it, it, whether we'd like to admit it or not, that's why the German and uh, French, especially the French assistance, was so important at the time. And I don't think that gets factored in enough, maybe because of our own pride, but the French assistance back then as far as training and the troops they provided that critical moment in the winter of 1776 was everything. So we have a country that now was was founded and 245 years later on its birthday has two, 328 million citizens, a 22 trillion dollar economy despite COVID, despite everything we've been through. I understand some of you will argue as far as how much of that is real when you have the Federal Reserve and this money being dropped from helicopters everywhere we look. I'm not going to get into that right now, but trust me, I am far from oblivious to what you're saying. We have a military, an active military of 1.4 million personnel, but so much more important than the size of our military is what it has accomplished. And again, if someone wants to take the toxic left-wing why in the road as far as the sins of our military and Vietnam and the mistakes, have fun. Um, So let's have fun with that. This is not the day for that. This is a celebration, the birthday of America. But more importantly, what our military has done as far as the communists, the Nazis, World War I stopping the Germans, etc., it's a military that now has six branches. President Trump created the Space Force. And as he created the Space Force, he was, of course, laughed and mocked by the leftists, while at the same time, China, an open adversary, has shown signs of being very aggressive about their attitude towards space and who's going to control it. So it's the normal, you literally have a hostile country acting in that manner, a president enacts a solution to that while being made fun of. I don't know how many countries in the history of mankind or kingdoms or whatever you want to call it have had that type of phenomenon take place like we do, but it's very interesting to say the least. So here we are, 245 years later, a country based that was built on more than anything else, individual freedom individual rights, individual property ownership, the ability to vote, all of once, of course, were restricted to some degree or another when we first started. This is like an evolutionary type thing. These people that, uh, (laughs) I can't say it without laughing, thought from day one, despite the culture, despite the world that existed at the time, from day one, there wasn't going to be one slave. Everybody was going to vote. Everybody was going to own property. No one would go to bed without food at night. It was just such a childish, outlandish view of reality, which they seem to espouse without not realizing how crazy that they sound. 
But 245 years later, this is where we stand. And it's an amazing thing, and it's something we should all be privileged. There's a word you hear a lot of nowadays, right? Privileged. Privileged to be a part of. I hear all this white privilege talk. You know what privilege? I, I, I am privileged. I, I am privileged to have been born at the United States in the United States of America. Now, would I have been more privileged if I was born in, say, 1946 and in the 1950s? I'm a teenager in the early 60s and uh, back when Europe was being rebuilt, China was being rebuilt. There was practically no international competition. Uh, there was single working parent homes with two cars. And you know all the stuff you hear about the 1950s. And there are people who admit that was probably the best time to be in America, but we were reaping the rewards of winning World War II. I think it's dangerous when we use that era as a benchmark for how life is always supposed to be. I think that's incredibly dangerous. I mean, that's like looking at certain points of your personal life. Like maybe when you were 25, you had the greatest year ever as far as you met the woman of your dreams and got promoted twice at work and everything went on a beautiful vacation. And you can't use that as the benchmark of real life. And to some extent, we do that with the 1950s, early 60s and this post, I guess the post-World War II, World War II boom. And there was recessions within that period. Don't get me wrong. But for the most part, it was a pretty good time up into the Vietnam War when things got dicey. But... Um, so we use that as a benchmark, which is, in my opinion, a little dangerous because that's that's not necessarily what's real. But a country based on individual rights is a privilege to live in in the context of the history of mankind, which is mind-blowing to me that there are so many well-read academic leftists in this country who know all this. And they still are irked by this country. And I just, I'm not saying I'm an angel. I'm not saying I don't have an ego myself. But I can't help to think arrogance is a huge part of it. Because there's just something in their mind where they have an idea of what needs to happen with the collective. And that's the group. And that this individuality is such a hindrance to that. And when you live in this country and you live in this democracy, you have to accept the fact there are many people who have big plans for you and I, big, big plans, and they're not good plans. And I'm not a paranoid conspiracy. I, I'm not a conspiracy person. That might rub some of you the wrong way. I really am not. That being said, though, you're naive to think there aren't people in this country and around the world who do not have what I call big plans for you and I. The mullahs in Iran have big plans for you and I. The Hezbollah over in Lebanon have big plans for you and I, whether we like it or not, and for this country. And the American left and certain billionaires within the American left and the members of the now defunct Clinton Foundation, you can go down the list. They have big plans. The collective junkies, they're just all about, they have got the big, bold, passionate ideas based on what we now know about this and we now know about that. And if we could just 
get these idiots out of the way with this corny Americana individual rights nonsense. What we could do would just be incredible. And it's no different than the Nazis back in the 1930s. Hook, line, and sinker. We just caught the Nazi movement, period. That's all it is. A utopian fantasy that if you have to freaking get guns out and deal with these idiots once and for all, you do it because we are the ones who have got it all right and they're driving us crazy. So to live in a democracy is to know that problem exists. It existed the day you were born. It'll exist the day you die. It does not mean you wake up every morning with your fists clenched and I'm going to go out and fight those goddamn liberals because they drive me crazy. It's not that at all. It's not that at all. Even though there certainly are aggravating days, there's frustrating days, but to at least have an awareness that that is there, it's human nature, it has always been human nature, and to understand, have a grounding of the principles that are important. Because we get so caught up in the emotional stuff. And you have to ask yourself, you're probably on text thread chains and Facebook groups that are very pro-America, that are very right-wing, that are very pro-Trump, that are very anti-left, uh, exposing left and the problems of left-wing politicians and the craziness of the stuff they come up with, whether it's late-term abortion, being against bail reform, to not cleaning the leaves and debris at the bottom of the forest in California to the point where they turn into a box of kindling wood, just reality-defying, common-sense-lacking nonsense. So I'm sure a lot of you are aware of all that. But we also have to take the time to constantly have a deep, intelligent understanding of the principles behind the country because we get so emaciated in the emotional stuff, us versus them and what team is winning and who's winning the elections and who's in charge or the personality type stuff as far as how AOC and how, you know, she's dumber than a box of rocks or Pelosi with those blinking eyes, just the crazy personality stuff. Cause let me let, you know, let's, I know they're not playing with a full deck just like you don't, but I'm just saying we can't get caught up with that and lose sight of the principles and the thinking, keyword thinking, behind all this stuff. Because they, in a very sneaky way, have almost act, act like they have claimed the throne to the intellectual side of all of this. As far as they are the ones, the progressives, who really get it, who have really thought this stuff through who are the masters of science and technology and business, dragging a bunch of dumb apes who voted for Trump and believe in this Americana nonsense. And, but they're the ones who understand the intellectual side. And, and, and we do that, and we do that, it's so sad because we discount the fact that the American right is the intellectual winner when it comes to the body politic and how all this stuff works. There is no reason you can't talk a liberal into a corner because when it's all said and done, there is no substance. I was telling people this recently. You wonder why Joe Biden will not have press conferences and Kamala Harris will barely talk because when something is built on a foundation of nothing and nonsense, 
Of course you can't grill them about that. Of course you can't. So your goal is to have such a deep understanding of American principles, of democratic principles, of how this country was founded, why it was founded, why it's important, why it's the bulwark to evil around the world, and to be able to espouse that. It's so important. Recently, I was thinking about how uh, it, really, there's a huge wide in the road between the right and the left in this country. And let me give you my take on really the core of that why, or at least one of the cores. I don't want to say that I got it all figured out or it, by any means, but just hear me out. And among the left, there's a concept that the world is evolving. The world is continually becoming a newer and better place. And they will point to literacy rates. They will point to vaccination rates in Africa. They will point to crime. They will point to indoor plumbing and electric increasing around the world. The use of solar technologies for energy rather than the more dirty stuff. And I get all of that. But at the same time, you could easily make the point that yes, all of that evolved but human nature itself has not changed. When Boko Haram in Africa went into a school, kidnapped all the girls, yanked them all out, and brought dragged them into the jungle, it was American drones and American missiles and American special forces that solved the problem. Somebody somewhere had to accept the fact that yes, all that stuff exists, but human nature remains the same. You might not like it, but if you ignore that fact, you are going down a very, very dangerous path. Domestically, as far as being against law and order, being against cops, being against crime, being against bail, putting all the onus legally in the criminal's favor, or internationally, as far as thinking a military is not important, a space force is not important, uh, it's just reality-denying nonsense. And so that's what I started with, the beauty of not being woke. It's like I'm allowed to look through a portal as far as what is real, and I don't have to be sucked into the sandbox of nonsense. And to me, that is so much more rewarding. It, 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 it's not always great because being uh, there's so many advantages that come with being delusional. I mean, Nancy Pelosi lives in such an easier world than I do on a day-to-day -day basis. But when you look at the sacrifices made for this country, um, putting up with lots of thinking, lots of facing reality is... If that's the sacrifice or criticism or whatnot, compared to living in a deluded world, which only frankly brings, is inevitably will bring destruction onto oneself and others. Well, to me, it is not an easy, it's an easy choice. What it, it, There's no indecision whatsoever. So it's important today to think all this through and see where we really stand in the most sober-minded way possible. Because this 
how can we build upon this what's been created? And I don't think um, well, the biggest threat to me right now isn't any foreign power, even though there's certainly, certainly, certainly countries with us in the bullseye, especially China, but other smaller ones or ones that are aligned with China. Um, but it's us becoming what I call a zombie country. It's just a zombie country where we don't know what we stand for, who we are. We only fight with each other. If you support the country, you're a bad guy. Um, because now we are a country with a, for example, a banned book list, a band who thought who listening to this right now over the age of 30 years old ever thought America would have a banned book list. Anybody? It's crazy. And so that's my thing is, is we become a zombie country and members of the right, one don't have the understanding in freedoms and liberty and our history that I'm talking about, which leads to a lack of confidence in our arguments and are censored. So you have, what is the next step? It's not good. And so that's why there has to be more than just Facebook post and other things. There has to be more speaking up. There has to be more articulation. There has to be less guilt. There has to be, everything can't be paraphrased with, well, I know America hasn't been perfect, and I know white people aren't perfect, and I know the cops aren't perfect. It's ridiculous. And it, it, everything has to start with apology. Really, this started in Obama. The first thing he does as president, he flies around the world apologizing for this country. Half the time he's standing in a podium on the ground in a country we're sending money to on a monthly or yearly basis while we're apologizing for it. So there, this 4th of July, now that COVID seems to be subsiding, I had Delta variant, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. COVID is subsiding. We're trying to get back to normal. We have a huge freaking financial mess that we have created that we're not even scratch the surface of paying for yet. And that's a whole different story. So COVID is over, things are getting back to normal, but the, between the debt we have created and the restriction of rights, I and again, I can't help to think we have to face these challenges and we have to accept the fact any person or country or company on the face of the earth right now is facing some challenges somewhere. It's the very nature of human existence to constantly be facing challenges. You just hope they're not completely overwhelming, okay? Back in, remember that tsunami back in Indonesia 15, 20 years ago? That wave came up. That was an overwhelming challenge for those poor people. That can happen. We don't want to admit it. I don't just scare the hell out of everybody. But yes, there can be overwhelming challenges. I get it. And you have to face that fact. It's very important. But we can't let things spiral out of control. Because these people, they're so unscrupulous. I mean, what we learned from the Trump, uh, the time Trump was in office between Russia, 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 
and that homely porn star whose lawyer ended up being like a psychopath that's in solitary confinement. Look at the ruthlessness of these people. It is pure Stalin, Lenin, Marx disdain and complete ends justify the means type stuff going on here. I mean, in, in a way, you can make the case, at least the founding fathers, they won the war, the war was over, England kind of backed off, even though I'm sure there's all types of terrible stuff they did from that point on um, in other ways to us out of, you know, vindictiveness or to keep us weak, but it was over. But right now, we are just being bombarded by this slow, insidious attack as far as the very slow restriction of speech the breaking down of law and order, the incredible lie we're being fed that debt, trillions of dollars of debt, is okay. So it's a, it's a very concerting time. I guess because what I'm saying is we can't take our bullseye and put it on one specific target like we could in World War II, like we could with the Soviet Union. It's a much more nebulous, internal as far as I'm concerned, threat. And we have a inclination to try to keep the peace with our neighbors, with our fellow citizens, while even though at the same time, we can see them being infected with stuff, information, with philosophies, with ideas that is very detrimental to our country. And that is a complicated problem. But the solution to it is continued articulation of what's real and how we're going to solve these problems and where we are coming from. It can't just be, you know, just going off the deep end like a volcano about you crazy left-wing nut and blah, blah, you don't know what you're talking about. Because our concepts, our ideals, are the truly enlightened woke, if you will. I mean, I'll admit it. Part of my thing, part of my shtick with the not woke is I think it's so funny and so stupid that the people who are the least enlightened, who are the least, have the least grounding and understanding of American history and the history of mankind and the history and the importance of rule of law and individual rights and how enlightened that is and how important that is. They are the ones who literally are so self-deluded with post-modern nonsense that they think they are the ones who really need to be flying the plane right now and protecting minorities and women from the just the barbarians on the American right. When you sum it all together and you have confidence in your intellect in the, in the history, it's all crazy. You look at certain cities in this country, they are hell on earth. And this crowd, these woke people can look at a guy like me, a white guy with parted hair who's 42, and think some crazy convoluted way that the fact that you can't walk down certain streets, innocent kids and people can't walk down the street in Chicago without getting shot is somehow my fault. It's all nuts. And like I've said before, the problem is more complicated because we can't just say that person and that army is the specific problem that's leading to all of it. It's more complicated than that. And the people who are behind it can write some very big checks 
there's just this army of Bezos and Jobs. Well, I know he's passed away, but the same idea. Bill Gates, who have used the rights that I've talked about that the founding fathers created in this just entrepreneurial, innovative machine called America to their own benefit to make billions of dollars just to turn around and act like the people who buy their products and work for them are nothing but a bunch of baboons. And they are the ones who have to steer the collective ship because they are the ones who got it right, despite the not-so-great stuff taking place in their personal lives. Even if it comes at the cost of attacking and reducing individual rights, the same individual rights that helped them get where they were. So it is a struggle, but it's a struggle and a challenge that needs to be embraced. It has to be accepted, again, that if you are privileged, and I'm privileged, you're privileged, we are privileged, privileged, privileged. I'm going to keep using that word because I love it so much. I'm so privileged, privileged, privileged to live in this country at this time and understand the responsibility going back to 70, 1776 of what that entails as far as our understanding of what it means to be America, to have an appreciation for America, to not be ashamed of America, and to provide the best future possible for America. So this is just the beginning. Because like many of you, I have had enough. That I've had enough. I, I'm unapologetic, I'm unashamed, and that's why I started saying there will not be sprinkling of caveats, and, uh, you know, I am not in the, this This is, for the time being, again, as long as LeBron James and China keep allowing me to have this podcast, it's completely different than if I was sitting at a conference table in the corporate world right now, where I'm part of the patriarchy, and I have to tiptoe around whatever I say. Now, many of you have mortgages and kids and you can't do that. You have to listen to nonsense that even five years ago, in, in, in people's craziest right-wing wet dreams would never have been thought was taking place in companies and corporations in supposedly the freest country in the world with threats to your jobs, threats to promotions, tiptoeing, bullying, etc. I am free from all of that for the time being for the time being because god knows there's people that don't like that so again happy birthday america we're not going to feel sorry for ourselves we're not going to get down even though there's certainly things we can look at between our debt and other things that could give us reason to get down but they have to be faced head on and it's going to come from accepting big part of it is just accepting things where we are how we started and coming up with a plan to forge ahead